All right, thank you, David, so much for leading us in that time of praise and worship. And now, friends, it is time for us to get into our study of God's Word. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John. And we're going to be looking at chapter 18, verses 28 through 40. So that's the Gospel of John, chapter 18, verses 28 through 40. Now, again, friends, I know that this year has been an unprecedented year in so many ways, and it continues to be so. Obviously, for many of us, as we are arriving at the end of this year and we knew we had a, an election cycle in front of us, and now that election day has gone and passed, and yet there is still tremendous tension and controversy and heated debate all throughout the country. The year's not even over yet. I believe litigation uh, from the Trump campaign is going to begin tomorrow morning, first thing. And so there's going to be that going on. We don't know what's going to be coming up in the days, weeks, and months ahead. And so there is an awful lot for all people, Christians included, to be anxious about. But I believe that Christians have a unique hope during times of political crisis. And so that's what I want to look at this morning. So what I want to do now is I want to read God's word, Gospel of John 18, 20 through 40. We will pray and we'll get into our study this morning. And we're going to seek an answer to this question. What hope do Christians have during times of political crisis? So beginning in verse 28, this is God's word. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the Praetorium, and it was early morning. But they themselves did not go into the Praetorium, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, If he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. Then Pilate said to them, You take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore the Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. But you have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Then they all cried again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. This is God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning during uh, an incredible time of social upheaval, political turmoil, Father. 
And we know that we are every bit as much human beings as our neighbors, Lord. And so we too can get caught up in the drama. We can forget our true identity. We can forget the difference between the kingdom of Christ and the kingdoms of this world. We can forget how we can relate to the kingdoms of this world around us as we await our redemption. So Lord, we just pray you would speak to your people today. I pray you would give them encouragement. I pray that you would give them hope. I pray that you would relieve doubt, fear, and anxiety. And I pray that you would refocus your people on the mission that's been given to us. I just ask for this blessing now over the teaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, friends, so the question today I asked was, what hope do believers have during times of political crisis? And I believe that this text answers that question. And so what I want to do is I just want to take a look at the story of what is happening here, and then we'll explore the answer to that question. So look with me at verse 28. It says, Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the praetorium, and it was early morning. But they themselves did not go into the praetorium, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. So the Gospel of John does not record the trial before Caiaphas and the Sanhedrin. Uh, John focuses on the appearance before Annas, who had been deposed by the Romans earlier, but he still retained a lot of authority and power in the Jewish community. And so even though he wasn't the acting high priest, yet he had tremendous power. And as a matter of fact, Caiaphas was his son-in-law. So the Gospel of John just moves forward past that and brings us to the scene in which Jesus is brought by the Jewish leaders and by the officers they are using to restrain Jesus and to bring him before Pilate. So it says they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the Praetorium. Now the Praetorium was a Roman military fortress. It's a military headquarters. That's what a Praetorium is. Um, there's probably one of two locations for this Praetorium. Scholars believe it's either the Antonia Fortress, which you can actually see on many models that are on the internet, Google Images, and it was right next to the Jewish Temple. Or others actually prefer a location just a little bit further away at Herod the Great's old palace. So it was probably one of the those two places, but either way, centrally in Jerusalem. It says it was early morning, and this is actually a specific Greek word, proi, and it actually means it was six in the morning. So first thing, when the courts opened up, the second that Pilate was available to begin hearing cases, Jesus is the first case on the docket. It's the number one case being brought before Pilate. But notice this, there's an interesting feature. But they themselves did not go into the praetorium lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Again, so they, this is very interesting. The Jewish leaders are strictly observing religious ceremonial law. So uh, unlike many who would naturally go into the praetorium where Pilate was, they refuse. So Pilate is having to get up out of where he normally is and he's having to go out to them, something we'll comment on later. Verse 29, Pilate then went out to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? So Pilate wants to know what exactly is Jesus guilty of? In verse 30, they answered and said to him, if he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up 
to you. Now, notice that when asked what the charges are, they don't give a straight answer. Um, obviously, even if you didn't know the whole story of Jesus and his trial and his passion and the story of the Gospels, you kind of know something weird is going on there. Imagine going into court today and and the judge says, what's the charges? You're like, well, your honor, we wouldn't really be here today if there weren't something valid. You're like, uh, I, that's not what I asked you. So, so there's some funny business going on. You can see it happening here already. In verse 31, it says, then Pilate said to them, you take him and judge him according to your law. So Pilate says, I don't have time for this. If you guys are, if this is a political game, and remember, a lot of politics is game, gamesmanship. It's, it's what it is. It's gaming the system. And Pilate, who's a politician, he recognizes that's exactly what this is. He says, I'm not doing it. You guys go. You have your own little cultural law, and it, it can accomplish some things. I mean, we have ultimate military power. We're Rome. We're occupying your land, so we're the ones kind of with the most power. But you do have some power and currency over your own people, so go judge according to your own law. But the answer is quite interesting. Therefore, the Jews said to him, verse 31, it is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. So they haven't specified the charges, but they've just revealed what their end goal is. What is the goal of this game that's being played? The goal is the death of Jesus. The charges haven't even been stated yet. But notice, and verse 32 is very important for us. It says that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. This is really important because it looks like Jesus is not in control. From all earthly perspectives, the kingdoms of this world are the real powers. Rome is the real power. The Jewish leaders, the Sanhedrin, they're the real power. Jesus looks weak and helpless. You have to acknowledge that. Jesus looks weak and helpless. He looks like he's at their mercy. The system is corrupt. Look what's about to happen. And yet notice what verse 32 tells us. All of this is happening so that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled. In other words, it's somehow his word and it is his will that's actually presiding over this whole thing. It doesn't unpack how or why in verse 32, but it tells us that that is the case. Jesus' word is sovereign over this whole drama. Verse 33, Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? So obviously at some point, either the Jews had told Pilate that they were charging him with insurrection and that he was claiming to be a king, or most likely since Pilate is present in Rome at this time where he doesn't normally live, he normally lives up in uh, Caesarea Maritima, but during the time of the great feast of the Jews of Passover, he would come down with his soldiers and he would stay in the fortress because this, if there was going to be an insurrection, if there was going to be a revolt and a war breakout, it was probably going to happen in Jerusalem and it was going to happen during one of the feasts. So he is actually here 
for this very reason, which means he very likely knew about the triumphal entry of Jesus, that Jesus rode in on a donkey with people placing down cloaks and palm branches and saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So that probably did not escape Pilate's attention. So we're not told how Pilate knows, only that he knows. Jesus answers in verse 34. He says, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? Again, here's a hint that Jesus is not the weak and helpless person he looks like. Normally, a person in, in this situation, I mean, they'd be begging for help, begging for mercy, uh, yes, sir, no, sir, what, just trying to get out of the situation. Notice Jesus now questions Pilate. Pilate thinks he's in the position of authority and he's questioning Jesus. Notice Jesus flips the tables and he is questioning Pilate. Are you saying this of yourself because you've arrived at this? Or did others tell you this about me? So Jesus is questioning the questioner. Verse 35, Pilate answers, and we can't tell the tone here, but uh, it's hard not to read this with a sense of sarcasm and derision. Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? So Pilate, and again, there's a lot of documentation. Pilate did not have a good relationship with the Jewish people. We know later he's going to be deposed. He only lasted 10 years. He uh, committed acts of, of violence against the Jews. He was a relatively cruel man. This is recorded in the annals of Josephus. And so he's he's there's this disdain there for him, for the Jewish people, and the Jewish people for Pilate. Am I a Jew? And this statement had to cut Jesus to the heart. It says, your own nation and the chief priests, your own people have delivered you, pal. I'm not one of your people group. Your own people want to get rid of you. What does that say? This is this had to be incredibly hurtful. And it actually echoes the prologue of this Gospel of John. He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. They rejected him. That's being fulfilled right here in this trial of Jesus. Jesus answers in verse 36, and as Jesus answers Pilate, he's also answering us today. When we ask that question, what hope do believers today have in the United States during a political crisis? This is the answer given for all of God's people for all time, and it is our answer today. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. That is, the, that is a radical statement. He's affirming that he is a king of some sort. Remember, that's what Pilate's getting at. That's what the Jewish leaders are trying to trap him in. And notice Jesus affirms it, but then he subverts it in the very same breath. My kingdom, therefore he's a king, is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now my kingdom is not from here. 
This is so important to know. If Jesus' kingdom is of this world, if it is political in the sense that we normally think about it, then he shouldn't have said this. He shouldn't have done this. He shouldn't have submitted to be arrested. He, he should draw a sword right now, stab Pilate, do some Russell Crowe gladiator stuff. His soldiers should come and fight, and this should be a bloodbath and an insurrection, and he should start it, and the Romans should be killed, and his Jewish leaders should be executed for their treason against the true and rightful king of Israel. And yet none of that happens. It's because Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. We'll talk a little bit more about what that means. Look at verse 37. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? So he seizes on that. Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is the truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. But you have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Uh, notice there, there's sarcasm in this. He's mocking them. And they cried out, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. So I think the question of what hope does a believer have right now is, is in verse 36. And you should underline it, highlight it, circle it, memorize it. My kingdom is not of this world. That's our hope, friends. Seize it with both hands. But let me ask you one more question. Is hearing that Jesus' kingdom is not of this world comforting or discomforting? I think if you let it sit with you for a moment, I think that's discomforting. I think what we want is Jesus' kingdom to be of this world. I mean, in this moment, if I'm a follower of Jesus, a first century follower of Jesus, and I'm not importing all my you know, our 2,000 years of church history and understanding and knowledge of the New Testament, if I'm, if I'm a first century follower of Jesus, I want his kingdom to be a part of this world. I want it to be from this world. I want Jesus to take control, to take authority, to expose the evil and to destroy them and to establish by force, if necessary, to those who won't convert willingly, the kingdom. But that's not what Jesus wants. I think right now, many uh, Christians around the world and in America, they want Jesus to, to seize authority, to seize earthly political authority, expose the evil, do what is good, do what is right, force yourself, just make people do the right thing, stop evil from happening. We want Jesus to have a kingdom that's from this world. So quite ironically, the very thing that I'm suggesting is hopeful for us. It's our hope during times of political crisis, it also can create a sense of discomfort. So why? I, I think as somebody who's being critical now, when I tell you that Jesus' kingdom is not of this world and that that's good news, I think a critical question is, why or how is that good news? Why or how is it good news that Jesus' kingdom is not of this world? 
Let me give you five reasons why it is good news that Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. Number one, the kingdoms of this world are characterized by hypocrisy. The kingdoms of this world are characterized by hypocrisy. In other words, we don't want Jesus' kingdom to be like kingdoms of this world, to come from it, because they're characterized by hypocrisy. Go back to verse 28. It says, Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the praetorium, and it was early morning, but they themselves, Jewish leaders, did not go into the praetorium, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. So here we have the height of hypocrisy. Remember, Jesus throughout his earthly ministry was criticizing the Jewish leaders for this very thing. You are hypocrites. You strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. You're meticulous in the smallest areas of ceremonial law, and you yet you neglect the weighty matters of justice and mercy. And they're doing it again here. Notice they won't go in. They won't step foot physically inside a Gentile's home because that'll render them ceremonially unclean. Yet all night long in the middle of the night, they are breaking the law in order to condemn a man to death they know to be innocent. Tell me that is not the height of human hypocrisy. And again, friends, there's jokes about politicians for this very reason. Again, whether we think they're a better one or, or a real bad one or, or whatever, politicians are known characteristically as being hypocrites. And so we don't want, to be honest, Jesus to be anything like kingdoms of this world. For if he was, there would be hypocrisy involved. Hypocrisy would be the stock and trade of his kingdom. And we can't have that. So it is a good thing that Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. Second reason, the kingdoms of this world are largely divided against each other. The kingdoms of this world are largely divided against each other. Look at verses 28 and 29. So they led Caiaphas to the praetorium, and it was early morning, about 6 a.m., but they themselves did not go into the praetorium, lest they should be defiled, that they might eat the Passover, because they're hypocrites. Pilate then went out to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? The more you know about the history and the background and the relationship between the Jewish people and the Romans and between Pontius Pilate in particular and the Jewish people, you see this game that's being played. Now, right now, in the overarching narrative, they are all a part of one kingdom called the kingdom of darkness. But within this one kingdom of darkness, you have these factions, and you remember I said last Wednesday night, that's because evil is inherently unstable. Evil is inherently unstable. The only time evil seems to look like it's united is when it's against a common good. That's the only time evil kingdoms can be united is when it is against a common good. So these groups have been fighting each other. They are still fighting each other. They are going to fight each other. So these are groups that, okay, they're, they're both of the kingdom of darkness. And yet, look, they are against one another. And they're both posturing back and forth. They are divided. They have different goals. They have different aims and purposes. And they are only willing to cooperate in those rare moments when each each side believes it benefits them 
to do so. So again, just notice it's the nature of the kingdoms of this world to be divided against one another. We don't want Jesus and his kingdom to be like that. Jesus' kingdom is united. Jesus' kingdom is not divided. There is only one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God who is over all, through all, and in all, as the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. There is one Lord, one body. We are not divided. There is one. So we don't want Jesus' kingdom to be an earthly kingdom, to come from here, else it would be divided. Number three, the kingdoms of this world pervert the justice system. The kingdoms of this world pervert the justice system. Look at verses 29 through 31. Pilate then went out to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, if he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. Then Pilate said to them, you take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore, the Jews said to him, it is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. Notice that you have these justice systems in place. You basically have two. And again, it's complicated because you've got two different cultures. You've got the Jewish culture. They have their own law and they have some authority. But right now at this point in history, they are occupied militarily and politically by the Roman Empire, by the Roman government. And so you have sort of multiple justice systems taking place. And basically, you could say that at this time, the Jewish court, it functions like a lower court. And the Roman court would be the federal, the higher courts, the Supreme Court, uh, whatever you want to say. These are multiple courts. But notice in both cases, the systems are being used to pervert justice. The very system supposedly created in order to enact, promote, and protect justice are the very systems that are being used to evil ends. So first of all, I told you there's something really weird when Pilate asked them what the charges are, and they refused to say what the charges are. Rather, they simply assert his guilt. In other words, it's quite clear. Look, we're here because we kind of have to. We need to get your signature on his execution order. But we really don't want to do what this system was originally designed for. That is to promote justice. Rather, we believe the justice system is in place in order to accomplish what we want. And these are simply hoops we go through. When somebody thinks that's what the justice system is for, then the system itself, even if the, the laws governing it aren't corrupt necessarily, it becomes corrupt. Furthermore, on Pilate's end, if he knows Jesus is innocent, he should just set him free. So this entire system of justice, which earthly people rely on for justice is perverted. And so once again, it is a good thing that Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. If it arose from and were dependent upon human earthly justice systems, then we could never get the justice we all long for in this world. So it's a good thing his kingdom is not of this world. Number four, the kingdoms of this world question the very nature of truth. Number four, the kingdoms of this world question the very nature of truth. 
Look at verses 37 through 38. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? Now, we don't know exactly in what sense Pilate is meaning this, or, or does he have a sarcastic tone here? But nevertheless, I think that this is a fundamental question that kingdoms of this world ask. What is truth? They actually question the very nature of truth. For many people in earthly kingdoms throughout history, including in the United States today, truth does not ultimately relate to God, who is ultimate reality, and therefore truth is that which corresponds to reality. Rather, political truth is simply that which works. Truth is whatever gets you what you want. Truth is whatever accomplishes your aim. And so this is a typical political question. What is truth? Uh, what really counts in this world? What are facts really, but things I create in order to get what I want done? That's what the kingdoms of this world do with truth. And so thankfully, Jesus' kingdom is not like this world where truth is, is twisted and turned to produce desired results. Rather, it is ultimately true. It corresponds to ultimate reality. It corresponds to ultimate and temporal facts. Lastly, number five, the kingdoms of this world choose death over life. Number five, the kingdoms of this world choose death over life. Look at verses 38 through 40. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all, but you have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Then they all cried again, saying, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Now elsewhere in the synoptic gospels, we are told that Barabbas wasn't just a robber, that the word is more insurrectionist and specifically that he was involved in murder. So quite literally, the people are crying out for a murderer to be vindicated and an innocent man to be murdered. That's what, I mean, notice this, that the kingdoms of this world ultimately, at some point in their history, at some time, in some way, choose death over life. Thankfully, the kingdom of God is not like this, that the ultimate aim of the kingdom of God is life, and that eternal and abundantly. So it is, by these five reasons, a good thing that Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. But what does it mean exactly positively to say that Jesus' kingdom is not of this world? Well, it says a couple of things. First of all, Jesus said, if my kingdom were of this world, my soldiers would fight. My officers would fight, verse 36. So in other words, we don't advance or participate in Jesus' kingdom through violence. Christians do not use violence in order to spread the kingdom of God. That is very, very important for everyone to know. Christians do not use violence to 
expand the kingdom of God. And yet that is what earthly kingdoms often do. We also see the key is to what, what does it mean then? If his kingdom is not all these earthly things that are bad, but it's something else and it's good. Verse 37, Jesus says, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world. Listen, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Friends, Jesus' kingdom is predicated on the truth the truth of God, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the truth that there's only two kingdoms, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light, that all are lost in darkness without the gospel, the good news that God, that Jesus, the king of the kingdom of light, is forgiving sinners and he's pardoning them if they will but confess that they are sinners, confess that they are lost in darkness, and they will believe upon him that he died for their sins that he rose again if they believe in the truth then the truth sets them free it's not just truth lowercase t true facts about this that or the other this political thing or that political thing no friends jesus said i am the truth capital t jesus is the truth about ultimate reality and the truth that sets people free is the truth about jesus so jesus is the king that is the truth the kingdom advances through the preaching of the truth. And it is by believing in the truth that we enter in and participate. And so, friends, if you want to know how do we participate in this kingdom that is not of this world, it is by believing in Jesus and looking to him, not looking to the kingdoms of this world. And you ask, how do I participate in this kingdom? We spread the truth. Our weapon is the truth, the truth of the gospel. We get it out everywhere we possibly can to people of every political stripe, Democrat, Republican, Independent, Westerner, Easterner, American, whatever the case might be. We get this truth because our kingdom is not from this world. So we get this truth out to everyone, and we trust that this truth is the power of God unto salvation to all who will believe. So friends, right now, I just want to encourage all of you, if anyone is sensing anxiety, fear, anger, uh, just uh, whatever it might be, I want to encourage you, ground yourself in a kingdom not of this world. Ground yourself in the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as Jesus said, he is the truth and his truth will set you free. Let's pray. Father, I just come before you this morning and I thank you and praise you for your word. Lord, we thank you that you speak life through these words. Lord, that whoever believes upon Jesus will be set free from sin, from slavery, from death to this world, Lord. They will be transferred from the kingdoms of this world, the kingdom of darkness, and you will be transferred into the kingdom of light and of the son of your love. And so, Lord, I pray that your people today would recommit our allegiance to Jesus and that we would use the truth of his word to subvert the kingdoms of this world that do not know him. Lord, we pray for 
comfort for your people. We pray for courage for your people. And we pray that you would use this next season, whatever earthly results it might bring, we pray we would use this next season to advance the kingdom that is not of this world. We ask this now in the name of Jesus and for his glory. Amen.